Welcome to the 60th episode of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Ann Killian. Ann has been providing awesome Warriors content all year, and she'll be in Houston with me for games three and four of the Western Conference semifinals. Before practice Thursday, we caught up at the Warriors practice facility about whether Golden State has flipped the proverbial switch, locker room dynamics, and much, much more. We'll have our conversation right after the break. About an hour before Warriors media availability Thursday morning, Ann Killian and I chatted in an empty hallway a couple of floors below the Warriors practice facility. And we're here at Oakland Convention Center, uh, just a couple floors below where the Warriors practice. Uh, we're, we're about an hour before practice. The Warriors are heading to Houston today. We are also heading to Houston. I'm heading tonight. I think you're heading tomorrow morning. So we'll be there for all of your coverage needs from games three and four. Um, you know, obviously the Warriors are up 2-0, but it's been a pretty interesting first two games. There's There's been some major storylines. There's been some drama. What are your big takeaways so far in this series? Well, my biggest takeaway is that Houston's not as good as the Warriors. <laughs> and that, you know, I mean, they, they spent uh, 48 hours um, making officiating be the narrative after game one. And, you know, this absurd... 81-point bulletin that they notified the league about relitigating Game 7, and they, you know, accusing the uh, the league and the officials of, of changing who was the NBA champion, and then they come out in Game 2, and they're just not good enough. They're just not good enough, and I don't know, you know, I, I fully expect them to get a game in this series. I'm not thinking there's going to be a sweep, but, but, uh, but I... And I know that, you know, the Toyota Center can be a pretty loud place. The The dynamic will change once we get to Houston. But they, I just thought with all that buildup and all that whining and all that uh, noise around them, that they would have come out and played a little better in game two because they are a good team. And I just think that, um, one, I think they got in their own heads about all of that. And two, I think, you know, by the end of the game, it just was kind of clear to them. Um, they seemed a little discouraged, and so it'll be interesting now to see how things rebound. I know that the Warriors will want to put the hammer down and just, you know, make them give them no hope at all, um, because you know this has been a pretty, considering how they played at Oracle during the Clippers series, this has been a pretty big week for them to come back on short rest injured um you know not a hundred percent and and do what they just did in these two games uh was was pretty much of a statement so um yeah i i think it's been it's not been what i expected yeah i think uh i think a lot of people thought it'd be at least one one at this point um i actually was kind of in the minority i feel like entering this series i I said I had zero doubt in my mind that the Warriors were going to win this series. I even went as far to tell people that I thought it could be done in five, six games, and everyone was like, it's at least going seven. I mean, either the Warriors lose or it's going seven. But, like, to build off your point, I think what what we're seeing is the Warriors are the better team when they're engaged, when they're locked in. I thought my biggest surprise from that whole officiating narrative was – the Rockets know the Warriors. The Rockets know how the Warriors operate. They know that all the Warriors need 
to dominate and be at their best is motivation, is incentive. And obviously they had a lot of motivation entering the series, but to provide them more fuel by basically saying that, hey, you guys didn't deserve not only to win game one, but to win the 2017 Western Conference Finals. And and obviously the way they opened game two, the way the Warriors opened game two with that fire, that intensity, that, that inspiration, it felt like they were trying, and I think you wrote this in your column, they were trying to show the Rockets, hey, we're not going to give you any excuses this time. We're just going to beat you. That being said, though, we're talking like the Warriors dominated these first two games. They only won by, I think, a total of 10 or so points in in these two games. For for whatever reason, the Rockets are able to keep it close, even when they're not playing that well. Yeah, and I think the reason is three-point shots. You know, when they're down eight, it kind of feels like the Warriors are dominating, but then they hit a couple of threes, and, and you know, there we go. Um, all of a sudden, it's a close game. I never felt the way in game two that I did about game one. I never really felt that, uh, you know, the Warriors led wire to wire. I, I kind of thought, I, I just, it just didn't seem like Houston was going to get over the top. I mean, it got really close at the end, and it would have been really strange if Houston had come back and won that, considering, you know, that, that they hadn't looked great. But, yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're completely right about, you know, the Warriors' motivation. And I think I, I just sensed after game two, it kind of looked like the championship Warriors, which has I kind of haven't seen much this season. And Kevin Durant seems way more relaxed um, and just uh, not as defensive. He's playing like the best player in the universe. He is the best player in the universe right now. Um, you know, I think that's bringing him this kind of inner confidence where we don't have to talk about what's going to happen in July. We don't have to talk. We're talking about what he's doing on the court, and he likes that. I just, I feel like it's just kind of clicking back in place in these first two games, and that's got to worry the Rockets too. Now, who knows? This is such a weird NBA long break. I mean, to have three off days between yeah. games is bananas. And I know both teams are probably happy because of bumps and bruises. Um, but as we saw in game one, you don't know who's going to come out um, and play well after such a long break. I mean, I would have thought, you know, Houston would have been the better team in game one um, and with the Warriors with a quick turnaround. But I think the Warriors kind of took the momentum from the Clippers series and and uh, and, and used that. So it, it'll be interesting, you know, going to Houston – this la- lack of momentum, this change in um, in uh, the schedule, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah, and the the thing is, even though we, we've talked a lot in the past about how the Warriors have looked like they've turned that proverbial switch, the reality is there's still a lot of room for improvement because Steph hasn't played that great. He's been in foul trouble going back to the first round. Clay's been okay, especially he's been great defensively, but offensively he has yet to have one of those signature breakout scoring binges that he's known for. And I know Durant, we we talk a lot about how amazing Durant's been, but he's actually not shooting that great by his standard in this series. I believe he's shooting 43% from the field, which is well below his career average. Um, so he can even be better. And then you know, the, you're not really getting much of any pr- production from the bench now that Andre's in the starting lineup. Um, so they can be better. And I think that that's a scary thought for, for these Rockets. Yeah, 
they can be better, especially Steph. I mean, we're still kind of waiting. I mean, I think the ankle has affected him a little bit. I think we saw the finger affecting his shot, um, you know, later in the game, and who knows what that's going to look like. I mean, Steph, the the long delay between games is really good for Steph because if he had to play like tomorrow night, I, that's that finger would be sore, and that's so important to him. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. Um, they they haven't really not not yet in the playoffs. They haven't really put together a complete game um, where you they look like the championship team. Um, I feel like they're getting closer. But yeah, I mean, they're really not getting anything from their bench. I mean, and that with all the minutes being played, that um, one will be more motivation for them to get this done quickly. Uh, because they know that they could use the rest. But two, you know, that that's a concern. Um, and Andre's playing unbelievably, but he, you know, even though he doesn't look like it on the floor, he is 35 years old. And, and we've seen, you know, we saw it last year in the playoffs, you know, when he, when he got hurt. And it takes one little thing, one little injury, and, you know, this all this magical Hamptons 5 lineup and, and everything goes away. So... Um, yeah, there, there's still plenty, plenty to worry about. You can lose sleep over this team if you want. Yeah, but w- what we're seeing is that that old sports cliche: d- defense wins championships. And the Warriors are playing the level of defense that you've wanted to see from them all season. You know, they finished the regular season, I think, 16th in the league in defensive rating. And they have all the potential in the world to be elite defensively. They have length. They have great one-on-one defenders. um, They have shot blockers. They have it all. They just don't – they just didn't have that buy-in for a lot of the season. And I think their effort level has gone up so much, especially in this series specifically. And I actually think – you know, having that disappointment in the first round against the Clippers, going six games against a team that you know is far inferior to you, was a little bit of a wake-up call for them. Um, and then, obviously, hearing all the talk out of the Rockets' camp about how much they wanted to face the Warriors and that sort of thing only got them going even more. But the interesting thing about effort is it can actually be measured now. That's the great thing about the the analytics age is uh, the NBA.com, I've gotten kind of into looking at NBA.com hustle stats and the the Warriors hustle stats like deflections, uh, those those screen assists, you know, screens that, that free up open shooters for, for open shots. Um, those types of stats have, have gone through the roof in the past two games. And the, the two guys that have been integral to that are Andre, who you just talked about, and then Draymond, who's been absolutely in- sensational um, playoff playoff Draymond. Um, do you think – we've talked in the past about how big of a playoffs this is for him and how he's going to enter, enter contract negotiations this summer and he wants to show the Warriors that he's a max-level guy. Do you think that this could help his case to, to get a max contract this summer, or do you think the hay is kind of in the barn when it comes to that? Well, I think Joe Lacob took the hay out of the barn a little bit by saying the other night um, that he would like Draymond to be a warrior for life. I mean, that's, you know, now I think he was... Does that mean anything, though? No, probably not. Um, It means a lot of people are talking about that quote. Um, It's very... uh, And you can, you know, Lacob is so involved and excited that I can just imagine him saying something like that after a game like that where they all of a sudden went up to nothing and it felt like, you know, good times rolling and felt like, you know, 2015 all over again. Um, But, yeah, I think Draymond is is helping his 
case. I, I think you know the the Durant decision and the Draymond decision kind of go hand in hand. If Durant decides to come back, then that changes. Um, if we're to believe that he and Draymond have a problem, we don't, you know there's no evidence of it lately, but. Um, that that I think impacts the Draymond decision. If if Durant leaves, that impacts the Draymond decision because all of a sudden he's even more critical to kind of keep this this core together and this momentum going. And I just think he's such a he's just when he plays like this, it's it's unfathomable to think that somehow they would let him get away. Now, I hate to get into max contract and all that stuff because that's not my thing, and I don't really, you know, the salary cap and all that. But the, I fully believe what Doc Rivers said is they don't win these rings without Draymond. And if they win another ring this June, then it will be because, in large part, because of Draymond, because he's playoff Draymond, because he's playing like his hair is on fire, because he's doing everything. Um, I heard someone the other day call him, you know, he's not a five, he's not a four, he's not a three, he's a 15 because he's all those positions added up together and he can defend all those positions. Um, he's, uh, I mean, he's just so good. And the other thing that I think is kind of key if you're going to look forward to with this team is, you know, when we see this in other sports, like you, we talk about the Giants having this very mellow um clubhouse where there's no fire and there's no you know kind of creative tension in the room at all because of the kind of leadership they have and there's a, you know there's a little tendency like that towards towards the warriors i mean you know steph and clay are fantastic they're going to be here but they're pretty mellow guys and having that creative tension that gets everyone riled up and gets you know people's blood boiling both on and off the court you know there's no one better than draymond at that <laughs> But do you want to pay a 35-year-old Draymond $43 million a year? That's, that's, that's the question, right? Right. That's the question. And that's the kind of question that, um, uh, you know, I think the fan base doesn't want to address. And that's the kind of question that, you know, I – because it's hard for me to look ahead um, when, you know, you see what's happening in the present moment. That's kind of the thing I hate about contract talk. Yeah. It's like, you know, it just – it, it makes you not appreciate what's happening now because you're you're peeling back, you know, you're leapfrogging ahead and you're in your projecting. I just heard Tom Izzo on the radio and um, he was saying, you know, Draymond's been doubted his whole life, so you know, who knows what he's going to be like at 35? Um, and he certainly has a pretty good 35-year-old role model right now, though obviously they're very physical, physically different body types. He and Andre, but but um, yeah, I don't know, but I just I. I, it would be hard for me to see how this team would be without either Durant or Draymond. Yeah, and to kind of build off that, one thing I've told listeners in the past and one thing I, I, I want to harp on for any Warriors fan that listens to this podcast, appreciate these playoffs. Really try to stay in the moment. I know that I may not make that easy at times, talking about summer a lot, but I talk about that because – this is going to be the most important summer in franchise history. And it's kind of the cloud or the question hanging over this entire playoff run. But that being said, have an awareness in the back of your mind that this roster is probably going to look very different next season. And the reality is it's probably not going to be as good next season. And there's a very good chance this is the last year the Warriors are not contenders, but 
favorites to win the title. And so this might be the last, if they win the title, this might be the last title they win for a while. So enjoy it, appreciate it. Every time Clay goes off for, you know, every time Durant goes off for 50 in a playoff game, instead of thinking about, is this the last, uh, is the last time he'll do this in a, in a Warriors uniform? Think about, man, we're lucky to have this guy because uh, what they, what this roster is right now is very special. It is. I mean, I mean, I think, I mean, and I've been, you know, I'm a native of the Bay Area. I have covered this team for years and years and years, and I. I still I don't take any of this for granted because they were so terrible for so long and I I hear fans taking it for granted and getting mad about things and blah 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 and it's like really you know like this has been the most fun um amazing uh you know still to me and to longtime warriors observers surprising run in sports that I've covered um and it and so yeah I fully I fully concur, appreciate it, because, yeah, all, all good things must come to an end, and, and the window on this is probably closing. Um, and, you know, maybe if Durant leaves, they reconfigure in some way, and they, they're really good again, and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt what, you know, these guys can do together or what this franchise and their motivation to continue to stay on top is. But this little bit of it is this this glory time that's it's gonna end there's that old saying winning cures all ills do you think that you know if the Warriors can keep this up and and go on and win a title that all the the drama the Warriors went through this season maybe the locker room turmoil do you think that kind of just gets brushed aside and doesn't exist anymore or do you think it's still going to be festering under the surface and the winning just kind of camouflages it for a little while, but it's still there. Well, I think I think winning can cure it. I, I really do. I think that um, I think one of the things I kind of feel like might be happening right now is um, just watching the dynamic on the court, watching the the body language off the court. I feel like it's clicked back in, like we said at the beginning of this. I feel like they kind of are like, oh yeah, this is who we are. This is fun. This is what we do, and. The, the issue is, can you sustain that for 82 games? No, you can't. And are these guys, have these guys been together for a long time? Yes, they have. And are, are some of them sick of each other? Absolutely. And do some of them rub each other the wrong way? Sure, at times. And, you know, even, I mean, it's just, it's normal, you know? I mean, we have families, siblings, you know? It's just, you get sick of people and you're like, why are you doing that again? You know, I hate it when you do that. But... I think that um, because they've had kind of a rocky year and now they're back to doing what they do best, I think that that the memory of that, that this is, God, it's really fun. You know, it's really fun when we're rolling like this. I think it can cure some of it. They just have to be able to remember it. And, you know, if they, stay, if they all stay together another year, um, there's sure to be more drama. But I also think, you know, they probably all learned a lot because it's been a tough year. You know, most of these guys have had golden careers and have never really faced adversity. And if this year was adversity, that's pretty funny, right? Because, yeah. you know, they clinched the number one seed and everything else. But for some of, for the core of this team, I wouldn't say Steph because he had a lot of adversity early in his career. But I would say for, you know, the Clay, Draymond, um, and maybe Durant 
I mean, he had off the court adversity um, when he made his decision to come here. But I mean, I think, I think it's some of the the bumpier parts of their career, and so maybe they're all going to have grown up from it. So I don't know. I, I think it's I think the chemistry issue is is really interesting. I think as a anyone who follows the NBA, the casual NBA fan, it's easy to forget that this is a workplace. People look, oh, you you play basketball for a living. That's nothing like what I do. I go into an office and I do a nine to five, and I have a work an office dynamic. They don't have that. The reality is they actually do. It just looks a little bit different than than the average office dynamic. And the way I kind of look at it right now is it's like when you and I have a big enterprise piece that we're putting all this energy into. We've maybe been planning it out for months and we've been looking forward to, to getting it done, but it's to get it done. You have to do a ton of work. You have to really focus. And when you're locked in like that on, on a big piece or in any workplace has projects like that, that, that require all of your focus and energy, all the other stuff, all the, all the drama at work, the the friction with your bosses, coworkers, kind of goes off to the side at least while you're in the heat of it, because you you don't have the mental energy to focus on that other stuff. And I think that's where this team is right now. I think they're locked in on a, a goal, and all that other stuff is just doesn't matter right now. But it doesn't mean it's gone. You know, it doesn't mean it, all this stuff didn't happen. Um, it doesn't mean that they're gonna. If they win the title, they're going to all hang out all summer celebrating. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, these are all – we've watched these guys grow up and grow up together. And so, you know, they're all at different stages of their life than they were the in the first championship run. And, it, I mean, things change, you know. Um, but relationships change, and you kind of learn to manipulate them and maneuver them the best way. And, and maybe they're learning, like um, – you know, I mean, at some points you might think, oh, my gosh, I can't ex- coexist with Draymond anymore. And at other times you think, how could I coexist without him? I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, be careful what you wish for. And I think we all have that in our relationships with people and, and coworkers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think this is going to be this is this this playoff journey to me is way more interesting than um, maybe any since the first one. And the first one was pretty interesting because it was so unexpected. But this this one is. It's just it's a different if it's it's different. The last two kind of felt the same. The the first Durant year. last year felt kind of boring to be honest with you. Well, the My. first the first one where they swept everybody. Don't right. forget. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I just think there's there's a lot in play here, and it is really interesting. And I would uh, uh, echo your sentiment. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, and I think that's that's all I have for you. I really appreciate you joining me on the pod. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be getting tons of uh, coverage out there in Houston. Um, and so, listeners, if you have any restaurant recommendations in Houston, Ann and I love to have a good time. Uh, bar recommendations as well. Uh, we'll be we'll be exploring. So um, shoot us an email or or tweet at us. Yes, please do. Bars and restaurants and um, places to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> I want to thank Ann Killian for joining me on the podcast. It's always fun picking her brain about the Warriors. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. 
Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.